This evening we're going to be in Acts chapter 18, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. Acts 18. This uh, Saturday at 7 o'clock we'll be having a, in the morning we'll be having a prayer time. If you're interested in coming out for that until 8.30, 7 to 8.30, um, just join us here. And if you can't, join us on Facebook. We'll do a, a live stream for that. And uh, was, some people were freaked out by that last time we did it because they thought, you know, we can see you pop up and see it. And then we know you're there. And I said, oh, hi. And they'd shut off immediately thinking we could see you in your pajamas or something. And we can't. We just saw you log on and said, hey, it's kind of a glad you're here. And, and then you shut it off. I'm like, it's, it's, come back. And, uh, you know, sit down with your cup of coffee in your nice comfy chair and join us for prayer. I mean, God doesn't care. I mean, it's still going to work, you know. Um, he'll still hear us. Uh, but if you can be here, we'll be here. So from 7 to 8.30 this Saturday. Then also we're going to move the start time for the work day on Saturday to 2 p.m. We have a, a funeral for a, a, a lady who died in our fellowship. Um, um, Tammy Wilson, um, unfortunately, passed away suddenly, um, very suddenly. And uh, I mean, we knew it was coming, but didn't expect it now kind of thing. And so she's gone on to be with the Lord. She was excited to go on to be with the Lord for a long time now, and um, she was definitely ready, and she is certainly enjoying eternity now with him. But we're going to have a funeral, not here, but down in a different town. I sent out an email for it. The name of the town was Ville, um, Whitesville, which is just south away. It's about 20 minutes, and that's at noon. Visitation at 10, and then the funeral will be at noon. And we just don't want anything to compete with that by having a work day. Can't do a work day and then have someone being buried, you know. So out of respect, we're going to move that to two. And I, there isn't a whole lot to do around here, and I don't think it'll take us long. We'll be done by five. So from two to five, we'll work, get it done, and get home. Um, and uh, hopefully most of you or any of you who are available Saturday morning can attend the funeral down there. I think it would mean a lot. It would be very important to come if you can so that's this Saturday. <clears throat> okay. And so um, that's kind of our schedule of events that have changed. I don't think I've forgotten anything. Anything else change? Fundraising is going well for breaking change. F- about five, $600 short is all right now. So right at seven, $800 short. 500. Nice. Okay. So write your $500 check tonight. Drop it in the box. We can put that behind us and focus on logistics and, and pray. So anyway, just kidding. Thanks for all your support. I know a lot of you have, and that's just a real blessing. It's going to be a neat outreach. We'll see what God does. It'll be good. Okay, tonight, chapter 18 of Acts. Paul, <clears throat> as he's uh, had an interesting time, I believe, uh, ministering on this second missionary trip, um, he, uh, he's excited to get to Corinth. Um, he didn't do so well at the last stop. Um, things didn't go as well as he, as he thought they would, as they didn't listen to him finish his uh, gospel message up on Mars Hill. Uh, we'll hear you again on this matter. Some did join him. Some did get saved. But most were, oh, the resurrection from the dead, we just can't buy that kind of thing. We can't believe that. Which is always kind of a funny thing when you think of how big God is and what we claim he's done as far as creating everything and the variety and the stars and the universe and galaxies and the 
this the, the, the complexity of the smallest uh, cell to the complexity of the universe, but he couldn't raise anybody from the dead. You know, it's just kind of funny how we think that way. Miracles, I don't buy miracles, but I think he made the universe. I don't, I, I don't track that. I don't get that, um, how people can think that way. But that's kind of how they were. Um, most people walk away from the gospel looking for a reason to walk away from the gospel. Um, if they can find something ridiculous and, you know, point the finger, mock and laugh and go back to their old lifestyle, which is the true reason people leave the gospel and don't want to know about the good news of Jesus Christ because they don't want to know that they're sinners. They don't want to know that there's a penalty to be paid. They don't want to know that someone else had to suffer for their self-indulgences, you know. Um, and so if they can find something wrong with it or find something they can hold on to and shun it or push it away or take the responsibility on themselves, I'll pay for my own sins. I'll take care of my own problems. Yeah, I've probably done some things wrong, but I don't want that Jesus. The real reason is they will not have this man rule over them. Jesus tells us that. That's the reason people reject the gospel. But they'll use any excuse they can come up with without saying that out loud. I don't want to say... I just don't want Jesus to run my life. I don't want to be under anybody's authority. That's what they're thinking in their heart. So if they can say, yeah, right, raised from the dead, oh my goodness, whatever. The real reason is the heart. The real reason is their sin. And they love their sin. The town that he had been ministering to in, in this on Mars Hill was given over to idolatry, given over to gods made out by man, to reflect man. That's really all they did. Every god had a, they were very specific gods. You know, we went over that, you know, last time we were here. Um, the god of violence, the god of sex, the god of, you know, niceness, the god of meanness. I mean, I'm making these up, but they were very specific. And so if you were kind of that kind of person, that's kind of the god you'd, you know, I'm an MMA kind of guy. I like that mixed martial arts, cage match, people getting bloody. So I'm of the god of violence. And so that's where I worship. Um, it's like changing channels on the, on the God television kind of thing is how, how they would view it. A little disappointing for Paul. So when he gets here to Corinth, this is a, this is a big moment for him. In verse 1 he says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. He found, and he, I'm sorry, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. For by occupation, they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. So Paul finding, and this is where we get the phrase, a tent making job. This is what we use for every missionary or every pastor who's what we might call bivocational. I'm at my tent-making job. I have a tent-making job at Rogers. And you can't always, you know, you don't always want to be taking from the ministry. You know, you want, it's, there's a time and a season for that, for sure. Paul defended that in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, that, yeah, of course, I've, I have every right to take a salary, but because I know you'd use that against me and I don't want anything to hinder the gospel, I don't. I do tent making so that I give the gospel freely so you that you don't have an excuse to walk away from the gospel. People use that all the time. I don't go to church because all they want is your money. Because one time you went and they passed a plate in front of you 
You want my, yeah, yeah. no, I mean, these lights don't stay on by themselves. I mean, someone has to pay these bills. Uh, the chairs don't just appear. You know, concrete doesn't just form. These things are all purchased and paid for and maintained. I mean, rock alone out here in this parking lot is three grand just to rock it once. It's $3,000. Why it's muddy right now, you know. It's, it's hard to spend money on rock that's going to get pushed into clay, you know. It just bothers me, you know. So we just, just don't wear high heels. Wear your muck boots and we'll get here, you know, kind of thing. So people use those excuses. And so Paul had a tent-making job for that specific reason. But never said you shouldn't take a salary, just that he didn't. And so he finds these two people who have been um, persecuted, by Claudius, had moved from Rome, from Italy, all the way down here to this place in Corinth. This is a big city. Um, this is a big uh, place. Uh, uh, it's a port city, two ports actually, huge trade, um, but given over to sin, completely given over to sin. Lust, mainly the sex god is what it was. And um, it doesn't matter what the name of this goddess was, but that's what they were known for. And port cities are kind of like that. When you get sailors coming to town, they're not the most moral guys in the world, you know. Um, so Marines were, were angels. It's the sailors you had to watch out for. Those guys were always. <laughs> but, you know, when you're in the flesh, you're in the flesh. And when you've been on a ship with 1,200 other guys, I guess you kind of figure out what kind of God they'd worship when they got off ship kind of thing, unfortunately. And so... This was known for that. This is a terrible place. In fact, while Paul is here at Corinth, he writes several letters to other churches, two of which, well, one of which actually is 1 Corinthians. Um, he writes, or not 1 Corinthians. <laughs> he, he doesn't write the Corinthians while he's there. He writes Romans. He writes Romans uh, to them. And as he's describing in chapter 1, the state of people or the world, in, 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 uh, as he's writing to the Romans, um, you can see what he was looking around at while he was writing this. Let me read some of that to you from Romans, um, which is our next book after Acts here. Romans chapter 1, he describes basically the decline of any civilization, um, where it starts. Um, I'm going to try to find a, um, a good spot. We'll do verse 22, chapter 1, verse 22. Professing to be wise people... They became fools and changing the glory of the incorruptible God to an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-minded, 
They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud boasters, inventor of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. You can see why he wrote that as he's looking at the Corinthian city. That was their culture. That's what they were like as he's looking around at it. So he writes to the Romans and lets them know um, this is what you shouldn't do. And so he finds these two people who are both tent makers and works with them, um, probably across the table as they uh, you know, are making tents and, and building things. Um, um, they move on. Now let's, or let's move on to verse 5. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, remember he left them and went on ahead of them and said, hurry up and come back to me as soon as possible. Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God whose house was next door to the synagogue. I like that. That was Paul's modus operandi. He always said, for the Jew first, then for the Gentile. And so he's faithful to do that. He would go in and minister in the synagogues. If they rejected it, he would then go to the Gentiles. Um, and so he got rejected. He, got his me- he didn't get rejected. His message got rejected. Jesus was rejected as the Messiah. And that's offensive to Paul, enough for him to shake his clothes off, which is the equivalent of what Jesus said, shake the dust off your feet and move on. It's on them. They've been told. You don't have to beg. You don't have to plead. You don't have to get run over. You offer. You give them the truth. They reject it. You move on to someone who might receive it. It's okay. It's okay. In fact, you can park right next door and start a church right next door to the synagogue. Nothing wrong with that. And so he did that to this justice. Um, And I say that because justice gets in trouble later on. But justice believed, and he lets them come into his house, and they begin to worship there. Now, here's the amazing thing. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Crispus, the ruler, he goes next door to the house. You know, so now they've got to find a new guy, and they do. They do. They pick a guy named Sosthenes, and they put him in charge. But for now, Crispus, who was the leader of the synagogue, is now a believer in Jesus Christ. And that says something about Paul. We know that... Uh, we know that from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14, that Paul says, I don't know if I baptized anybody but Crispus. When I was with you, I don't remember baptizing anybody but Crispus. Paul personally baptized this leader. Okay? It was important to him. It was important to, to be a part of that. But as anybody else, he says, I don't remember whether I did or not. But this is that Crispus. This is that guy, um, the ruler of the synagogue, he believed. But many Corinthians did. Now, who would have thunk it? You know? Who would have thought? That in Corinth, port city, full of the goddess of, you know, fornication, that you're going to plant a huge church there, you know? Who would have thought? You'd think more maybe, uh, you know, inland or something where they're a little more normal, a little more, a little more Bible Belt-ish, you know, kind of thing. Not that they had a Bible Belt back then, but, you know, a little more country. And uh, nope, right here is where we're going to plant this big church. Now, they're a rough church. You read First and Second Corinthians. These are letters Paul wrote to the believers at the Corinthian church after they got saved, and they were doing some pretty crazy stuff while saved. 
some pretty intense sins while saved. Um, and he tells them, you know, such were some of you at one point. You, you were those things, so stop being those things, which means they were still in those lifestyles, in those choices, you know. And Paul's like, no, that's why Christ died. You need to leave those things. So uh, anyway, don't be discouraged by those you've led to the Lord that don't seem to be as far along as you think they should. Um, salvation is salvation. Um, the cleanup happens after salvation, and sometimes that takes some time. I know it did with me. It took, oh, it is taking a long time, I should say. You know, 25 plus years later, I'm still, he's still hosing me down kind of thing. So anyway, a lot of people get saved. A lot of Corinthians believe and, uh, and were baptized. They're, you know, things are happening. It's exciting. Um, anyway, now the Lord spoke to Paul. In the, in the night by a vision. Now, we don't know what's going on in Paul's mind except by what's said here. Do not be afraid, but speak. And do not keep silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. That's the longest he stayed any place. Paul was usually cast out or dropped in a, a basket over the side of a wall or, you know, in the middle of the night rushed out of the city because someone was trying to kill him someplace. But here, he gets to stay a year and six months. And I think it's because of this vision. Um, when God says, don't be afraid, that means Paul was afraid. And so God comes along and says, I don't want you to be afraid, Paul. Paul was afraid to speak. I don't want to say anything. The last time I did this, I got rejected. He goes, no, I want you to speak. And... Uh, the next thing is, I don't want you to keep silent, for I am with you. That's the reason I want you to be loud. That's the reason I don't want you to be afraid, because I'm with you. He doesn't promise him that he's not going to get a rock thrown at him. He doesn't promise him that it isn't going to be hard or that people aren't going to oppose him. All he says is, I don't want you to be afraid and I don't want you to keep silent because I'm with you. And that's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing if you have a relationship with God, if you know Jesus if you worship him in spirit and truth, and he, the one you worship, says, I'm with you, that's a boost. That is confidence right there. Not in myself, not in the flesh, not in my abilities. But if you're with me, and you haven't left me because of that fiasco on Mars Hill, you know, um, boy, I thought I stuck my foot in my mouth. I didn't, get to the, I didn't get to the truth fast enough. I didn't talk about Jesus fast enough. You're still with me. You're speaking to me in a vision here. I'm with you. No one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. You're not alone, Paul, which he thought he was, maybe. So that happens to a lot of the prophets. We know that um, Elijah, I think, Elijah on top of the hill. Elijah and Elisha always get me mixed up. It's Elijah. He's on top of the hill, and he says, I've got... Uh, 6,000, 3,000, 10,000. See, I don't know my Bible very well. I should really study it more. But there's a lot of people that have not bowed the knee to Baal, he says. You know? A lot of people. I just do that to make everybody feel better. So, There's a lot of people that have not bowed the knee to Baal. You're not alone. You may feel alone. You sometimes at work you think you're alone, but you're not. I've got a lot of people that are with you, that are rooting for you, that maybe aren't as bold to say things out loud, but are sure glad that you're doing it, you know? That's encouraging to them. Every time they're sitting there with their head down and pencil in hand, doing the work they're supposed to be doing, they hear you talk about Jesus, they get excited inside, but they don't say anything. 
because they're not there yet. They're not that bold. There's a lot of people, Paul, in this city that I have, and I want you to minister to them. So Paul stays. Because God said that to him, because God's with him, he speaks for a year and six months, a year and a half, telling people about Jesus, teaching them the whole counsel of God. At one point in Acts chapter 20, we'll get to it in two weeks here, or one, yeah, next, not next week, but the week, week after. I've not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Paul was able to leave the city knowing that. I've not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. It's all in your hands. I've taught you everything there is to know from Scripture. And I can go and leave. Now, whether you believe it or not, it's completely up to you, but I've taught you everything. You're accountable for what you've heard, for what you've been taught. Paul was big into that, a good teacher of the Bible, not just an evangelist, but also someone to bring people up in the Lord, um, to follow the Lord. Verse 12. When, Galile- when Gallio, uh, or G- Galio, or Gallio, uh, was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews, with one accord, rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. Now, this guy was a truly kind of like a Pontius Pilate, but a good guy. He was new, uh, so he hadn't been corrupted yet. He just wanted Roman law to be followed, you know. I don't want any messes. I don't want any messing around. I don't want to know what you're doing or when you're doing it. I just don't want any problems kind of thing. This is his kind of attitude. And so they bring Paul to him. This guy's telling everybody to worship God the wrong way. And when Paul was about to defend himself, basically, to open his mouth, this Galio, or Galio, um, said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names and your own law, look to it yourselves, for I do not want to be a judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. Get out of here, you know, you guys. I want to take care of the big problems. I want to take care of crime. I want to take care of wrongdoing. You know, I want to do that. But you're talking about these things that I don't have any wisdom in because I'm not a follower, you know. I don't know anything about your customs or anything. Just you guys deal with it. So he drove them from it. Then all the Greeks, not the Jews, all the Greeks took Sosthenes. He was the new guy put in charge after Crispus got saved. The ruler of the synagogue, the Sosthenes, and beat him before the judgment seat. But um, Galio or Gallio took no notice of these things. Whatever. Just let this guy get beat in front of him. I, don't, I shouldn't laugh at that, I guess. It's not funny. But that's what you get, Sosthenes. I mean, you know, um, this was ugly to begin with, but to step into that position of Crispus now and be in the middle of all these things, um, Sosthenes, by the way, gets saved. This is probably... You know, it's interesting. Crispus, all he had to do was hear the words of God and get saved. Sothenes says, I'll take over. I'm the guy. He gets beat to a pulp and says, I'm with Jesus after that, you know. And we learn that from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 also. He says that, that Sosthenes is a believer. So kind of neat. Kind of, I mean, sad that that's how you have to get. But you know what? Everybody's different. How do you get saved? Some people, I tell you, it just takes, you know, it's like raising kids. You've got one kid that you just look at them and say, and they just bawl. I'm sorry, Dad. Okay, good. The other kids, you're like, are, are you listening to bottom? Just slightly spanking their bottom here. No abuse. <laughs> no abuse here, but just, and they're looking at you go, is that all you got? Is that all you got, old man? I'm just like, oh, man, this kid. 
And that's how we are. Some of us can be like that with the Lord, you know? I mean, and you know what? I'm kind of both kids at the same time. Sometimes God can just speak just a mild word from Leviticus or something. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm broken before you, you know? Other times, I just, like the children of Israel, I'm going around this mountain. He's like, how long are you going to live in this desert? Just obey. Just obey and go across the river, you know? I don't know if I can, you know? You dumb kid. He doesn't say that to me, but that's, when I finally get it, that's how you feel. Oh, this could have been done five years ago if I just listened, you know? Why did I wait so long? I think the first time God tried to get a hold of me, probably 11, was when I would remember and rejected it. And I rejected him at 13 and 14 and 15. You know, all these people coming into my life that I can see now but couldn't see then. Oh, if I'd gotten saved when I was 11. I mean, those high school years were bad for me and for my parents. I took my dad's loner truck from the shop. You know, he got it from a brand new Chevy truck. His car was being fixed. They gave him a loaner because it's John Dirks. Everybody knows John Dirks. Yeah, John, take the truck. See if you like it. Sell it to your son. You know, he's got this truck. So um, it's parked in the driveway. And I've got my mom's car. And we just graduated from lifeguard school, whatever that was, three days worth of training or whatever. And we all went out drinking. And I smashed my mom's car into my dad's truck and ran over the mailbox because I was kissing some girl while we were driving. And I just smashed it, spun it around. So I took off and drove it all the way to Lincoln, Nebraska from Sioux City, Iowa. Drunk as a skunk, went down the wrong way on the highway, down off-ramps and on-ramps the wrong way because I couldn't figure out where I was going. Stopped at bars in Omaha trying to figure out how to get to Lincoln at 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean, it was nuts. It was like my mom and dad still call it. That was J.D.'s demolition derby night, you know. Oh, and I had run into an old girlfriend's boyfriend's car that night, too. I had smashed my mom's car after I hit that, and I just ran into his car, too, in, the, in his park. I, I thought, well, why not? I mean, I'm in it now, you know. Smashed him. I got saved when I was 11, you know. My, and that's one night of my high school, not including the two other times I was arrested and put in juvie and... And you're listening to me tonight. So what does that say about you, right? <laughs> oh, that we just, you know, learn. But Sosthenes, well, he needed a beating. And he got saved, though. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. It's how we end. It's how we end. That's how we end. That's all that matters. So Paul still remained a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria. And Priscilla and Aquila were with him. They're touched, man. Those folks got saved. Those folks, I mean, you're a captive audience if you're making tents with Paul, right? And these folks, they got it. He had his hair cut off at Centuria, for he had taken a vow. Now, what they would do is they would cut off their hair at the beginning of the vow. Mainly, it was like a consecration thing. God, I'm just giving you my life. And they buzz it. Well, they didn't buzz it. They clip it all off. They get it all cut. And then they'd take a vow for 30 days or however long. And however long it grew, at the end of that time period, they would cut it off and burn it as an offering. That whole, I was, you know, consecrated. You know, that was, it's just something they did. Just so you understand what's happening here. Why did he cut his hair off? Because he's making a vow of consecration. Now, we don't know why he did it. <coughs> he's not required to. No one asked him to. Who knows? Maybe Corinth was uh, such a blessing to him. Or maybe he realized, um, you know, how I see it. And 
I'm just guessing. I really don't have any idea. I'm just, I'm just throwing this out here. Sometimes you have a tendency in tough situations with the gospel where it's, there's such antagonism towards it to either be quiet or be louder. Does that make sense? Sometimes I can either clam up or I can say, you know what? I said Jesus, not God, not anything else, not do what you want to do. Jesus is the only name by which man can be saved. You get bold. I kind of think that's what happened here. He saw the need and he says, oh, I'm diving in even further here. I want everybody to know. So you'd ask, why is, why you're, why is your head bald? Because I'm sanctified for Jesus Christ, because I am set apart. My whole life is his, and he'll give you something to say. Kind of like I think nowadays people putting scripture verses and tattooing themselves up with scripture verses, whether you believe in it or not or think it's bad or wrong or whatever. That's the idea behind that person doing that. You know what? Wherever I go, you know, some guys put it right here if they've got enough room. I, you know, I don't know if I have enough. I'd have to write it down here now. <laughs> but, you know, when they're big and they're young and they put them up there and they're, there it is, you know. You know, I'm not afraid of the God. You know, um, that's cool. I th- I'm, I'm, I'm forward if I didn't let that out of the bag. So all, all the parents are like, <clears throat> you know. Well, you know, I know you're not supposed to tattoo yourself for the dead, but you're not. You're tattooing yourself for someone who's living. And you're writing scripture on the doorposts of the temple of the Holy Spirit. I don't know. You know, can't be that bad. Um, any of my kids here, though, no. <laughs> no, you got to wait till I can't. That's the idea behind this haircutting, I think, is I think he's diving in further. He, not further, but being more bold at a time when he knows he could be quiet. And that has to do with what God gave him in that vision. Don't be silent, but I want you to speak because I am with you. And I think he says, I'm not afraid. I'm not hiding. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm going to shave my head and ask, have everybody ask me why, you know. Okay, verse 19. And he came to Ephesus. I promise I won't go this slow, but Ephesus is the place he tried to go to before. And the Holy Spirit forbid him. And it wasn't a no. It was a wait, apparently, because now he's here. Timing is everything with God. There's a time for these things. The gospel does need to be preached in Ephesus, Paul, but not yet. I want you to go to Macedonia first, and then we're going to go here later on. You'll get there, but just not yet, you know. And uh, I think that's important for us to remember that God's timing is perfect. And let them there, left them there, excuse me, but he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent but took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. That is the beginning of Paul's heart. This is going to take him some places here. I've got to get to Jerusalem. I've got to get to Jerusalem. I've got to get to Jerusalem. Okay, he just feels that for some reason. And he's going to run into some difficulties, but he still, his eyes are set. They're fixed on it. Um, and you'll, we'll find out later. No spoilers tonight. And when he had landed at Caesarea, Caesarea excuse me, and, and gone up and greeted the church, he went down to Antioch. After he had spent some time there, he departed and went over the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order to strengthen, in, in order, strengthening all the disciples. So this is his third missionary trip is what we're seeing here. Now, We've met Crispus, we've met um, Aquila and Priscilla, which we'll run into later on. Now he's going to meet Apollos. Apollos is the last guy he meets. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, 
born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. Um, we believe, we're not sure, but that could mean that he just didn't know Jesus' name and he's not filled with the Holy Spirit necessarily. But he knows God's word and he's a very eloquent speaker, so he's been going off his own talents up until this point. And we can. We can coast for a long time on our own gifts and abilities. Those always come to an end, though. We always come to the end of our own strength. So important we have the Holy Spirit so that we can go on in his strength and not in our own. So um, he ran into this guy. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. It's Jesus you're talking about. Not just the Messiah, not just the one, but he's here. And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Okay, So that is the conclusion. That is what he was taught, that Jesus is the Christ. Not just that the Christ is calm, um, but that Jesus is the Christ. And um, being filled with the Spirit, he's now able to um, just do a great job in ministering and sharing uh, the gospel. So it's exciting to see what God will do. Um, just because he's eloquent doesn't mean he can't. You know, we know that God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, but sometimes he uses some folks that are just, well, they're pretty good, you know, and they get saved and they get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and they continue on being pretty darn good, you know, teaching and, and sharing. And, and so that's a good thing. That's a good thing. All right, that's where we close tonight. I was going to try to do 19 because I know 18 is a short chapter, but 19 is way too long to get through, so. We're going to close and maybe spend just a few minutes in prayer, if you don't mind, um, for, uh, if, you know, especially if you can't be here next Saturday. I want to pray for our leaders. I want to pray for, and you can do this by yourself, or you can do it in a group. It's up to you, however you want to do it. I don't want to make anybody get together and, um, and pray, but if you want to, you can come together and pray. If you do come together, pray for each other's needs. Um, um, pray for those that are mourning right now, grieving for the loss, um, especially uh, Tammy. And then uh, and her family, but also, um, you know, pray for Holly. Holly, she's I think she came home tonight. I think she's going to try to come home tonight. I don't know if she made it or not. She was planning on coming on Wednesday. She's going through some cancer treatments now too. Um, looks very curable. Very high hopes uh, as far as Tracy said uh, is what he shared. But still, he he says I need we need prayer through all of it. I didn't even ask. Okay, dumb question. I'm like we don't know what's going on. Even though his son her her son's here, we're not going to ask him. How is she doing? Okay. 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 But your dad said looks good? Okay. Wonderful. Very good. Okay. So we're going to pray for her and, and the family and Tracy, you know, just um, for strength and, and uh, just some encouragement, peace, especially. Um, anything that comes to your mind probably shouldn't tell you what to pray for. All right. So let's break up into groups or pray by yourself for the next uh, 10 minutes. And then we'll close in prayer together and all go get the kids together at the same time. Please don't filter back there yet because they're not ready to come out of their classes yet. We're done really early. Um, so they're still just starting their crafts right now and that would be difficult for the teachers to get them out right now. So if you don't mind, just 10 more minutes, okay? Let's pray.